Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. kick off with this question here if it's all right with you and that question goes hold on a minute we've got a scrolling bit at the bottom which says comment and share and i will be able to uh, get rid of that quite easily by going here um how do i get rid of that so um sorry instagram is my it's my technology on uh on the uh facebook and youtube oh my god it's flooding in maxine's here amin a's here good evening amin good evening uh maxine good evening amy so um i have got questions which is here here we go would you do bbr so BBR's bilateral breast reduction. I don't know if people know. I know that people out there in the world use all sorts of abbreviations, which often I don't know what they are. BBR is a standard one in my world, but whether it's standard one in the world out there, probably not. So it's bilateral breast reduction. For those of you who have not heard what a BBR is, that's it's breast reduction, basically. Um, would you do surgery? Uh, BBR, breast reduction, 38 to 40 L cup. L cup. L. L, JKL, does it go up to L? Well, obviously it does, L cup. BMI of 40 and 19 stone. If no, what would the ideal BMI stroke weight be? Really want surgery November 21. Would you consider doing surgery even if not at ideal BMI stroke weight? Um, so I think it's it's in my in my hands, the BMI issue and surgery is a relative thing not an absolute thing and i understand that some people in some places have an absolute criteria for bmi and if you do have an absolute criteria it is usually 30 is usually where the absolute criteria is in the nhs uh when i worked there and they did breast reductions which is going which tells you how long they'll work there um it was 25. Uh, i don't think think the nhs do breast reductions anymore but um but yeah 30 is the normal cutoff if someone asked me for a cutoff for bmi but i don't have a i don't i i do do bmi over 30 breast reductions i do do breast reduction on people with a bmi over 30. i think 40 is too high i mean it, it's all subjective and it, i think 40 is too high to be honest a breast reduction is a big operation there's a high risk of complications um, it's not without its potential problems and you're just increasing your risk of problems with a BMI of 40. Not only that, you're not going to get as good a result if you do it with your high BMI. And I always say to people, and I completely understand that you can't lose weight when you have got, you know, problems with breast, um, heavy breasts, problem with abdominal aprons as well. It's the same issue comes in with abdominoplasty. And I completely understand that. But from a surgical point of view, I've got to be honest, I think 40 is too high. I think if the BMI starts with a four, it's too high. I'm not saying I'm going to do it if it's 39. Should I say, can you hear me? I'm assuming you can hear me. I'm hoping someone would have told me on one of the mediums, on one of the media, that because last week, was it last week or one week, people couldn't hear me. Anyway, I'm assuming that. Tell me if you can't hear me. Hmm, that doesn't work, does it? Anyway, um, so I think 40 is too high and it is relative and it's relative because the two things I would ask you are what is happening with your weight as in is it stable or is it changing? Is it going up or is it going down? Particularly if it's going down, I'd want it to carry on going down, particularly if you had a much higher BMI before and you've lost a lot of weight. I mean, it's unlike, as I say, I think my overriding answer to this question is 40 is too high. Uh, and I think November this year is probably too soon for the surgery. Amy can hear me fine. Good. Um, so um, so I think for this patient, I think 40 is too high and November is too soon. But in general terms of BMIs, I think if you've had a very high BMI and you've lost a lot of weight, 
often you're carrying around a lot of uh, a redundant skin and you will often have a beer patients have a BMI have above 30 and I will still do the surgery if they've lost a lot of weight and they're quite clear that they are happy and stable with their weight so those are the two criteria happy and stable so you've got to be comfortable where you are if you're not comfortable with the where you are and you want to lose weight you are far better to do it first don't do it after surgery do it before surgery you're going to get a better result then you're going to get less risk of complications so if you're happy and stable with your weight particularly if you lost a lot of weight i will still still do it when it's above 30 on selected cases i've got to be honest as i say don't have a set number but 35 or lower would be better um but again if you are and the same thing happens if you're above uh, sorry if you're already below 30 and you want to lose so if you've got a bmi 29 and you're not happy and stable with your weight if you really want to lose a bit of weight i'd say to do it first don't do it after the surgery and i understand it's going to be easier to do under this after the surgery but one you're going to get less risk of complications and two a lot of this surgery most of this surgery breast reduction tummy tucks all this sort of stuff is tightening loose skin and if you lose weight after the surgery you might have some loose skin which we could have tightened if you'd lost the weight first so it's a win-win if you can lose weight first ideally bmi below 30 but i will consider cases bmi above 30 um on you know depending on where where you are in your journey with your weight loss um mainly for people as i say who've lost a significant amount of weight but still high the other the other group is the bodybuilder type um particularly men who've like uh, got very big muscles and big bodybuilders these sort of you know very burly uh, big men who have got bmi which on the on the um on the um graph of bmi would be called obese but you look at them and they're like flipping neck, you know, you wouldn't call them obese. So sometimes there are people, situations where you would have a high BMI, uh, but, but it's sort of muscle and, and, and what have you. And, and again, they, these people are often uh, happy and, and stable with their weight. So happy and stable with the weight is the key, I think. And I think 40 is too high. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I, I say I'm sorry. We're in this together. I'm not, you know, it's not you asking me for surgery. I'm like, we're in this together. So, um, you know, it's for your best result. Amine, question. If you've got the time after answering the others, oh, I'll do it now, Amine, because I'm just doing it in all, I have got others, but you know, do it now, why not? After answering the others, can BB scars be sewn on the inside and is it something you would do? BB. Um, okay, Amine, BB, I'm gonna go belly button. Is BB belly button? BB? Or is that BBR? Like is that bilateral breast reduction? You're saying? I'm going to go belly button with that. I mean, a come back at me if what if BB is something different to belly button? I'm not sure what BB is. BB scars. So um, basically, I get you know what I mean. A it doesn't matter what it is because even if it's breast reduction, uh, the answer is yes, yes. B. So particularly, sorry, yeah, it is belly button. Okay. Um, so particularly with belly button scars, I mean, a the problem with belly button scars, I'll be honest with you, is it's tricky stitching the belly button. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not quite a circle. We cut, we do all sorts of different things for belly buttons. This is when we're doing tummy tucks. I'm assuming when you, when you're doing a tummy tuck, you're re-suturing the belly button. And when you're doing a tummy tuck, there's lots of different ways you do it. You suture in the belly button. You can create a U cup, which then opens up to a shield shape, which is what I do. Sometimes do a, some people do a vertical slit, horizontal slit take out an ellipse all sorts but basically the bottom line is you've got a little circular sort of thing to put stitches in and i used to do a, what's called a, a, a subcuticular suture which is the same suture you do for the the lower scar of a belly button which is hidden underneath the skin so you can do a subcuticular around the belly button which is hidden hidden sorry underneath the skin and this is something I used to do, and I can still do. Um, I got I, I don't do it anymore. I mean, I do um, I, I do a, a suture suture. Um, if you're interested, which you obviously are, <laughs> it's called a barren suture. Um, B a double r e n. It's a half buried horizontal mattress. Just to get hold on a minute. Now this is what we got. So we got Ania. <laughs> can't hear anything on Instagram. Well, Insta you can hear it on YouTube. You can't hear it. On Instagram, I'm sure Jackie would have told me she can't hear anything. Have I, have I got to do something on my phone? 
sure someone would have said they can't hear anything before now, wouldn't they? Can you not hear it then? I mean, I'm charging. Uh, I can hear on here. Oh, Jade, Anya, your sound's turned off, Anya. Jade can hear. God, this is embarrassing. I'm going to push on, Anya. Can you hear you fine? Stacy on Facebook. Okay, I'm going to push on. Yeah, I thought Jackie would. Yeah, it's working now. Phew. So um, I do what's called a, 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 anyway, I do a certain sort of stitch for the belly button, and it's a, it's half buried mattress suture. So what that means is that uh, when you do it, the reason that people bury stitches rather than putting stitches outside, so if you have a classic stitch on the, you know, like an, a, a sailor with a big cut on the arm, and you have a line and dots on either side, they're called stitch marks with that sort of that that that, that pattern of a, of a line with dots on either side. And as plastic surgeons, we don't like those sorts of scars because they look unsightly. The dots on either side look unsightly. So we will often do uh, a subcuticular sub, sub stitch, which means we bury the stitch underneath the skin so you don't have that classic interrupted uh, look with the stitch marks. So um, now when it comes to the belly button, it is awkward stitching that circle. And you can do a, circum, a, a, a subcuticular around the belly button, but it is awkward. So what I do is I half bury the stitch. So I put the stitch in through the belly button. I then put it through the underneath the skin on the other side and then come out through the belly button again. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making this clear. So you've got a belly button, you've got a tube, and you've got the surrounding skin. And so I put the stitches in the belly button, then I don't put a stitch in the skin the other side, I bury it, and then I come out in the belly button. So you might get stitch marks, but the stitch marks will be inside the belly button. You getting that? So it's, it's half buried. So it goes in, buried, out. And so there are stitches on the skin, but they're all inside the belly button. There's none on the skin, the other side of the scar. So um, I'm not sure if I've, I've explained that. But anyway, that's what I do in order that if I do get stitch marks, they're hidden inside the belly button. So that's what I do. But as I say, if you're worried about stitch marks, because you don't want stitch marks on the skin of the abdomen. So there's no stitch marks on the skin of the abdomen, but there are some inside the belly button. But I don't find that so I've never, I've never seen them, and I've never, it's never been a problem for me. But that's how I do my belly button stitching, um, in order to avoid that problem. But as I say, it's perfectly reasonable to do a subcuticular, and I'm sure a lot of people do a subcuticular. And as I say, I used to do a subcuticular; it's just fiddly, and I find this is better to, to uh, invert the edges. It's a bit, it's a bit better to uh, align the edges if you're doing an interrupted suture, suture rather than a subcuticular. But a technical point. So yeah, you can. In answer to the question, yeah, you can be sewn on the inside. I'm just explaining why I tend not to as a as a um, routine. But if someone said to me, I really don't want to be able to see the stitches, I'd be like, okay, I'll do a subcuticular, no problem at all. Um, Stacy can hear me, which is good. Olivia is here, long time no see. Well, actually, it's not that long, is it, Olivia? Hope you're well. Saw you a couple of weeks, was it? Kiki Carmelita, good name, Kiki. What about the armpit? What about the armpit? What about the armpit, Kiki? <laughs> so armpit. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fill in the gaps here. I'm, are you? I'm talking about an arm reduction, are we? Um, and do we bury the stitches? So yeah, we bury the stitches um, on an arm on an arm reduction. Yeah. So on others and tummy tuck, we bury the stitches. So most of the things on the trunk, we would bury the stitches. Um, so they're, they're underneath the skin, so there's no stitch marks. So most of the stuff we do, there's no stitch marks because we bury those stitches. I mean, it says, excellent, I hope you're well. Ask JJ, look at that, I've missed. Umus, umnus, umnus. Can fat transfer to breast be done without damaging to milk ducts? Yes, umnus, it can. Fat transfer to breast is a good technique and it is a great way to sort of naturally and well it's not natural is it but to enhance the breast um the problem with it as i've always said um if you is that the volume small omnus that's the problem with fat transfer to the breast but definitely it does not damage the milk ducts but i've got to be honest omnus breast implants don't damage the milk ducts not that i'm trying to push breast implants but the best way to make the breast bigger is breast implants 
it's the most predictable way of doing it. Um, fat transfer is subtle, the, the, the amount of volume you can give. That's the problem with fat transfer, it's small volumes and it's quite expensive. But yes, it does not damage the milk ducts. So you should still be able to breastfeed after surgery if you're having fat transfer. But as I say, if you're having breast implants, you'd still be able to breastfeed after surgery as well. Assuming you can breastfeed you know, before surgery, but it's not going to affect your ability to breastfeed having uh, fat transfer. So yes, that, the answer to that is yes, umnus in a quite roundabout way. Um, Khan is in the house. Good to see you, Khan. Uh, Kiki Carmelita's back at me. Kiki, sorry was talking about BA done by armpit as opposed to under the boob. Wow. B oh, I see. Um, it was BB. Uh, I mean, A was talking about BB, not BA. So BB was belly bun, but you're talking about BA, which is breast augmentation. So uh, yeah, we, we we got we got BBs and BAs today. So the BAs can it be done? But yes, B uh, Kiki BA can be done uh, VA the armpit. So it can be done. I don't do it. To be honest with you, Kiki, I don't do it. I always do it to the under the boob. Pretty much always do it under boob. Sometimes I do, if I'm doing a lift or something, I do a different sort of incisions around the nipple and things. Um, but um, I don't do it under the armpit. Not that there's anything wrong with doing it under the armpit, Kiki. The thing about this stuff is you just got to choose a surgeon who's comfortable with the procedure. And I have met surgeons who talk about doing it under the armpit. So, so trans-axillary, making the incision here and putting implants in and say it's great and they get great results and you don't have any scars on the, on the breast and it's fantastic and that's super and that sounds great the worry i've got personally is i find it hard enough to this is really important the cleavage area is a really important area of the breast and it's important that you get that uh that uh, cleavage well defined and there's a lot of blood vessels in that area and they can bleed and it's hard enough when you've got an incision here if you've got a decision in the armpit, you're quite far away from the cleavage area and you're pretty much blind and you're hoping that that's not going to bleed. That's what worries me about doing the armpit, controlling that cleavage area and getting a nice cleavage because the armpit's quite far away and, and you have to make the pocket a little bit blind. Um, but it's probably because I haven't had enough experience in it because, as I say, there's very good surgeons who are getting good results with the armpit. So it's just that it's I'm not that surgeon i've got a lot of experience doing it through that this one under boob um and to be honest with you the surgeons that i've spoken to are overseas french um one guy i think was from denmark so they're overseas i don't know don't, don't ask me why but um not many people in this country seem to be doing it. there probably are people in the country doing it in the armpit but what i would say is if you want it done in the armpit look for someone who's good at doing them in the armpit um and that's not me because it's just not it's not got experience in it i I've pretty much always done it in the inframammary fold. So, um, so yeah, it can be done in the armpit, but I don't do it. And there are definite pros and cons. But, yeah, look for someone who's experienced in it. So there's nothing wrong with doing it in the armpit. Kiki's back at me. Is it is over the muscle or under the muscle better? What's more natural looking? Good question, Kiki. A lot of people ask this sort of thing. I've got to be honest with you, Kiki. I do both. And the majority of my patients want to look natural. And if one was more natural, I would just do that one, to be honest, because very rarely does someone say they want to look unnatural. Sometimes they do. I mean, it does happen, but very rarely. Most people want to look natural. And if if it if one was more natural, I would do that one. You know, I wouldn't do the other one. The fact of the matter is, the pro problem is, if you like, that there's pros and cons with both of them. The problem with putting it under the muscle is it can bleed more, it can hurt more, they can sit high, they can sit wide, and you can get animation, which means when you move your arm, the breasts move. So all those things mean that if you have it under the muscle, there's a chance it could look ne less natural. If they sit too wide, if they sit too high, if, you, if they move when your arm moves, they're going to look less natural. So that would mean under the muscle is less natural than over the muscle. So you might say, flip a neck, I'm not having it under the muscle. I want it over the muscle because I don't want those problems. Fine, you can have it over the muscle. The problem is if you're slim, if you haven't got much covering over your chest, if you haven't got much breast tissue, you worry about seeing or feeling the edges of the implant, seeing ripples of the implant and having, you know, being visible, the implant being visible, in which case that would look unnatural. So therefore, under the muscles, good sort of thing. So it depends on where the balance is going as where the risks, what, what, what risks you're going to have. There's risks with both. And one's not better than the other. There's risks with having it under and there's risks with having it over. 
and they're just different risks and you just got to balance it up and it's a, it's a conversation between yourself and the surgeon assessing the quality of skin you've got assessing the type of implant you're having some implants are more prone to rippling than others uh, and assessing the soft tissue you come in, you're having the size of the implant to see what your risks of rippling are versus your risks of um of having those animations and those other those other issues so if you haven't got a high risk of rippling if you've got enough cover then it's probably better to put it on top of the muscle but if you've got a high risk of rippling then it's probably better to have it under the muscle but then you take on the risks of a high wide animation so it's a bit like you know a lot of people say i want the best one i want the best i want the natural one i'm like well yeah everyone well most people want a natural one but there's no easy answer to it kiki it's about weighing up the pros and cons charlotte i had a breast lift with implants seven weeks ago one of my incisions keeps opening up causing a small hole closes over and opens again the doctor swapped it and said i have an infection so I need to take antibiotics are infections fairly common after breast lifts i worried my implant will need to take it out okay charlotte that is so are infections fairly common after breast lift no I wouldn't say they are, but often at the T-junction, does it say where it's opening up? A breast lift by definition is tight. So sometimes it does open up a bit and sometimes you do get um, infections. So it, you do get infections after breast lifts. However, if you've got implants in Charlotte, it is a bit of a red alarm bell for me. Um, you know, it's an alarm bell because the worry you know if you haven't got implants in if you just have a breast lift and you have a bit of wound breakdown you might need some antibiotics very you know you usually don't it just heals up and it's not a problem it's a bit of a nuisance if you've got an implant this is why a breast limp, imp, lift with implants is a big deal because if the wound opens up if the infection gets to the implant you know the antibiotics go in your bloodstream the implant hasn't got a bloodstream so you, it just doesn't clear until you remove the implant so i'm worried that you'll need your implant taken out as well uh charlotte but i'm not your doctor so you know you got to stay close to your doctor and yeah i think that is a worry anyone who's seven weeks post-op and having persistent discharge it's a worry i'm sorry to say i don't know you know yeah you're right to be worried so stay close with your doctor and you know I don't know, stay healthy and hopefully we'll be all right. How do surgeons determine whether to put a T, where to put a CC, how low can it go? Good question, Amine. Now, the thing about a TT scar is, I'm presuming talking about a full tummy tuck here. So a full tummy tuck, you go above the belly button. So you have to, well, I'll say you have to, you, you go above the belly button. So actually, the more laxity you have, the bigger the abdominal apron you have, the more laxity you've got in your upper abdomen, the lower you can take that upper abdomen down. So the paradox is someone who hasn't got much laxity, someone who's actually quite fit and just got a little bit of skin there, it'll be more difficult to get that scar low. So there's more risk that scar will be high. So that so you want to get it as low as you can. Um, you get you normally get it at the top of the pubic hair. You usually goes from hip to hip, and you want that upper abdomen abdominal flap to come down. Now so. You, that that's the that's the 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 top the top mark has got to got to happen. You've got to get it above the belly button, and so the lower lower mark might suffer. The other thing you can do if you want to get the scar lower and you haven't got much excess is you can get it down lower, but maybe not get the skin from the top of the belly button down. Maybe keep a bit of the skin, close up the belly button hole, and it comes down as a T. I need an infographic here. I need a graphics person. I don't know if I, I tried with a belly button stitching question. I don't know if I'm making it here. So you, you cut there. It's not all coming down. You've got a hole where the belly button was. It's not all coming down. It's not all coming. It's really tight. I can't get all that skin out. So what I do is I get a bit less skin out. So I still got a hole from the belly button. So I cut cut that hole where the belly button was and I stitch, the sti stitch it together and they end up with a short T. It's a, it's a vertical extension. So that's for someone who hasn't quite got enough, but they want the scar to be lower. The problem with the vertical extension is that it might be, you might be able to see it and you can have wound healing problems at that T-junction. So it's people who are sort of sl the slimmer end of the spectrum, having a tummy tuck, these issues about having a high scar or that vertical extension come in. And this is discussion discussion you have to make. 
for someone who's got a lot of excess and have had children and all the skin's been stretched and all that weight loss it's actually easier to get the scar lower it's a bit of a paradox there but um yeah we're always trying to make the scar as low as we can but as i say the tighter it is the risk is going to drift up it sometimes drifts up early on so you have to let it settle but that is a worry um liz k good to see you liz k uh, are, can you still get capsular if they are over the muscle? Yeah, absolutely. You get capsular contracture is uh, is is an issue of implants being in the body. So it can happen whether they're under or over the muscle. Um, and it the, the the thing about putting them under the muscle is the muscle gives it an extra layer of cover. So you can feel it takes longer before you can feel it. So you actually get it sooner when they're on top of the muscle. So you actually get capsular contracture sooner over the muscle than you would under the muscle. But you can get it with it's over or under the muscle. You can still get capsular contracture. Um, Anya has got a question here. As my surgeon advised to leave, oh, hold on a minute, Anya, oh God, here we go. BA question, breast augmentation that is. After four months post-op, dual plane, my nipples, my nipples has lowered, implants sitting high, and I'm experiencing bad muscle animation deformity. Does that qualify for a revision? Um, Anya, four months is sort of relatively, I mean, it's not that early, but it's sort of like, ooh, it's a difficult one that Anya. I normally would start sort of thinking about it at three months, three to six months, which is where you are. Um, and what I normally would say at that stage is how bad is it? And is, is it changing? Because if it's like really bad and it's not getting better, and I'm thinking it might get a bit better, but it's not gonna sort of settle completely. Let's do a revision sooner rather than later because I don't want this person to be cheesed off. But at the same time, if it is sort of getting a bit better, it's probably going to continue to settle. And it takes a year or more for it to really properly settle. So if I think it might get there, I'd be more inclined to maybe leave it a bit longer. So it is difficult. These are issues with the problem is also, Anya, what do we do about it? So um, my nipples has lowered implants sitting high. So you're in. So your nipples haven't lowered your implants sitting high, which makes your nipples look low. And you've got bad muscle animation deformity. So the the fact that your implant's sitting high means that they the, the implant could be lowered. But as I say, that will often settle. The animation deformities. What we're going to do about that? You know that that's something that um, you know you could take them from under the muscle to on top of the muscle. But then the, presumably they put them under the muscle in the first place for a reason. So they're worried maybe you're going to get rippling and see the edges. So then if you do change plane, you're worried that they're going to get different problems. Solve these problems, cause other problems. So if you keep it in the same plane, you may well still get animation deformity. That is a risk of putting them under the muscle. Um, but maybe the implant sitting high could be addressed. But as I say, often that settles on its own, but it can take longer than four months. It can take six, 12, maybe even 18 months for it to properly settle. But you'd want to be started seeing maybe a bit of improvement, hopefully at this stage. As my surgeon advised to leave it as it is, because any further surgery could cause more complications. Is there anything else I can do about it? Thanks. Yeah, you can massage it, Anya. Uh, not getting any better so far you can massage it you can get a band some people have bands like built into the bras sometimes routinely wear the brand uh, bands i don't use them very often but sometimes if you are worried about this that can maybe help it's like a it's like a breast band i think they're called it's like a band that goes around it's like velcros on um massage can help um, but time is really the best thing um and it is a bit of a worry Anya, but it, you know, four months is still in the sort of relatively early stages of things. Uh, so try and be positive about it. Try and stay close to the surgeons, get a bit of massage on their band if you want. And uh, hopefully it will it will improve over time. Um, Charlotte, how would I know if the implant reached the in infection ever reached the implant? Good question, Charlotte. Um, well, what you're describing sounds bad, that there's a little hole which just keeps on opening up. That suggests that it may well just not, because a normal infection wouldn't normally, um, would just normally heal up. So what you're describing sounds like it. And basically what happens is it just never heals up and it's just a nuisance and it just keeps on going. Seven weeks again, not that, you know, but, you know, what you're describing would worry me, Charlotte, but it's up to your doctor. Obviously, if it gets you get a roaring infection, it gets all red and inflamed and all awful, then then you think, hold on a minute, let's you know, let's get 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 it removed. But in my experience, sometimes these things don't get to roaring infections and they just like niggle on and it's just really annoying and it just niggles on and it might be that you just have to bite the bullet. But you have to talk to your surgeon about it because obviously it's a big deal.
but you know it's it's a bit of a worry um to be to be honest with you charlotte and i'm sorry that you are experiencing this and just yeah stick close to your surgeon and uh manifest some positivity james i have my cyst removed on my back massive thanks to all of the stay clinic for helping me first class job and customer service I don't think I've met you, James. Thank you very much, James. Dr. Faroa is a legend. The H and the A is the other way around. But anyway, we know who you're talking about. Um, awesome. I will let uh, Dr. Faroa know that you are a fan. Uh, that's what we want. I'm just going to keep that on for a while. Look at that. James had an awesome experience. That's jolly good of you to comment, James. Nice to see you here this evening. Thank you for that. Um, Wishing you a speedy recovery, Charlotte. Hopes it gets sorted for you soon. Charlotte, we're all giving you positive vibes. We're all giving you positive vibes, positivity. Let's be, you know. I hope to, I agree. Hope it gets sorted one way or the other soon, and hopefully it'll be it'll be all right. Um, if a patient is diagnosed with inguinal hernia, can you repair it during a TT? TT being tummy tuck. Uh, no is the answer to this. So an inguinal hernia. Is a hernia in the groin. So an inguinal hernia, if I just demonstrate, put my flipper on, is here, is down here, is down here in the groin. Yeah. So an inguinal hernia is down there in the groin. So, um, oops. So um, that is that that is actually lower than an abdominoplasty scar. So you probably wouldn't come across it, to be honest with you, in an abdominoplasty. And even if you did. It is needs a, a, a proper repair. It would need a general surgeon to repair it with a mesh. I don't know what they use now, plugs or goodness knows what they use. But um, it would be something that wouldn't be need to be repaired by a general surgeon and addressed by a general surgeon. And we wouldn't get involved in it at all. We, as I say, we probably wouldn't even see it because our incision would be above it and it'll probably be below where our incision is. So an inguinal hernia is a no for that. Now, a hernia, sometimes people talk about repairing hernias when they do tummy tucks. They're usually talking about umbilical hernias. So hernias in, in the belly button or like just next to the belly button. Sometimes you get a tiny little um, bit of a defect in the abdominal wall and um, and some and some usually a bit of fat sort of pokes through and that's that's an incident often you don't even know it's there sometimes you know it's there but often you don't know it's there and you find it when you're doing the tummy tuck and it's quite easy just to repair that uh, when you're doing the tummy tuck so uh, an umbilical hernia around the belly button yes an inguinal hernia no that would need a general surgeon separate operation um and and you know no you you wouldn't repair it during the tummy tuck uh, and a plastic surgeon i don't I think I'm right? Well, certainly myself, I wouldn't repair it. I don't think many plastic surgeons would repair your inguinal hernia for you. Uh, that's a separate thing. Um, Umnus, will with tummy tuck scars, does the shape of the scar matter regarding healing? E.g., would a straight line scar heal better than a smile shaped scar, or vice versa? No, the um, that doesn't matter. The shape doesn't matter in terms of the the uh, straight line or or the smile. Usually, it's a it's a gentle smile. Um, you, you don't go across, you don't go across up to the um, to the thighs. Usually it's a gentle smile. The only shape that I could think of would be that T thing I was talking about earlier, if you have to do a vertical extension, if you, if it's really tight. But certainly whether it's a, if it's a, a straight line or a, or, a, or a smile or a U or whatever, that doesn't affect the healing at all. No, that'd be fine. Uh, Rachel Cooper, how soon after a TT is it possible to have a breast enlargement? Well, well, uh, depends on the healing, Rachel. TT is a big op. Um, I mean, minimum is three months, but I don't think you'd be ready at three months, Rachel, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to say six months. Uh, you want to, you know, get yourself back on your feet. Three to six months. That's what I'll say. Um, yeah, because it's, you know, quite a big deal having a tummy tuck. So, yeah, three to six months. Do we offer fillers at our clinic? Um, I should research this before I came on. No, I'm going to say no. I think the answer is no. I don't. I don't. Does Kurum? Kurum, I, I think no. We don't really do much non-surgical, to be honest, like fillers and Botox and stuff. I think some people do that, like really specialise in that. And I know people people have said that I should, you know, do it and get into all that sort of thing. But uh, at the moment, it's a no. We do we do we just do surgery really. So no, we don't don't do fillers. Um, uh, how about time between BA and TT? Same, Liz, same, but maybe a bit less because BA is not as big as a TT. So, you know, bit, bit breast augmentation is a smaller TT, but I'd say at least three. 
Uh, three to six, I think, for everything, really. But yeah, TT is a bigger one. So maybe. Depends on you as well, Liz uh, and Rachel. Depends on how you feel, um, you know. But you've got to let everything heal up um, properly. Thank you. Thank you for asking the question, Rachel. Terry's in the house. Terry's in the house. Terry is in and she's asked a question. Would someone need another uplift after they've already had a one in the past? Someone, Terry, is it someone? Terry, honestly. Um, yeah, maybe, Terry, maybe. Yeah, I mean, things things can settle. Um, so definitely uh, breast lift or breast reduction. Obviously, skin's tight and everything's being brought up. But then it can it can sort of settle, droop, or use whatever term you want. Now, the only thing I would say, Terry, is that if you or anyone out there is considering having another lift or, or another reduction, um, either have the same surgeon or the surgeon would need the operation note of the first op because when you do the op you isolate the nipple on what's called a pedicle on a stalk and you need to know what stalk was used the first time around when you do it the second time around because you don't want to do the opposite one so like for instance for a, a breast lift i would normally use uh, a superior pedicle I keep the nipple attached to the top so I would say um, you need to use the same pedicle so you don't want someone then using an inferior pedicle make and cutting my superior pedicle because then you worry about the nerve supply to the um, blood supply to the breast but bottom line is most people will be fine if you said if you wrote to them and said well, what's the um can I have the op note you know for the original op they'd be like yeah fine you don't you, you often can just write to the hospital the hospital should have the op note um as long as you are you ask them uh, but that's the only thing if someone was having a, another breast reduction or, or, or breast lift, the op note. You, you, as a surgeon, you want to see the op note for the first one. But yeah, Terry, it could be done. Whether it should be done is another thing, but it could be done. Yeah. Um, um, right, what's going on here? How about tight? Yeah, done that. Thank you. Is it possible to be sterilized to your TT? I'm not going to have, any, have anything left to ask at a consultation. Um, We'll just do it all, go over it all again, Liz. Um, possible, yes, but you'd need a different surgeon there. So you'd, um, again, plastic surgeon, I guess I suppose with the ingle hernia, you know, you probably, I probably wouldn't do it, to be honest with you. I think about a T, the tummy tuck, it's a big op, and you worry about things like wound healing and stuff with a tummy tuck. If you start doing other surgery, like for instance, a sterilization, you have to go intra-abdominal for a sterilization. Now, admittedly, they only do laparoscopically, they do it with telescopes. So, you know, ideally, you wouldn't really want to have potential contamination because once you go intra-abdominal, that's, you know, potentially sort of dirty surgery because you're going in, into the abdomen. So it probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say it was advisable if there was a reason why you really didn't want to have more anesthetics. I guess it's possible, but you'd have to liaise with the gynecologist and get the gynecologist to come and do the sterilization during the same anesthetic. So you need two surgeons there. Um, so possible, yes. I'd probably say keep it simple and just get one done at a time. But uh, but that yeah, possible, yeah. <clears throat> we would need a liaison between the gynecologist and the plastic surgeon. Um, why are our prices for tattoo removal so expensive? Are they expensive? Um, well, I mean, I don't know how to answer that. Um, they are uh i mean it's, it's i mean the way we do tattoo removal is we excise it we cut it out so obviously surgically and this is often the paradox when you are looking at surgery often surgery which has got bigger scars more wound healing problems more com potential for complications and things is more expensive and you're like what i'm gonna have a bigger scar and i'm gonna have wound, potential wound healing problems and i'm gonna have you know might need dressings and stuff and it's costing me more you know it's like a breast reduction is more than a breast lift you know it's like well surely it should cost me less if i've got more if i'm gonna have more problems with it but you know that's the paradox when you're sort of pricing stuff if you if you and when we do when we price things it includes sort of all the art care dressings wound stuff and all that so um maybe that i, I don't you know we're all plastic surgeons uh in the clinic um maybe it's expensive to have a plastic surgeon doing your surgery um i don't know i guess it's it's it, you know and i always say to people tattoo removal 
laser's the first port of call. But the problem with laser is it can be painful, can need repeated It's in line with mole removal and cyst removal prices sort of thing. It's just in line with that. And I guess it's the whole clinic and what we offer at the clinic and all the aftercare and everything. Maybe we are more expensive than other places. And I always say it's a competitive world out there and we do our very best to be competitive. And I think we are competitive on a level, but we're not competitive on price.
Right, I've refreshed it. Video is gone. Anyway, I've refreshed it. Me too. So Jackie, Jack, I don't know. I'm assuming it's main. You know what? I bought. A, I've got it here somewhere. One of those little things that boosts the Wi-Fi. I haven't plugged it in yet. Anyway, hey ho. Right, where's my questions gone? Um, here they are. Do you offer free consultation? Back on YouTube. There we go. Back on YouTube. <laughs> Touch and go for a minute. Sorry about that. I don't know. I think it was a. Uh, in, well, maybe refreshing is the thing to do. I should have refreshed it as soon as it said it. I'll be honest with you. It did say to me refresh, but I ignored it because I thought I don't want to jinx. I just pushed on, assuming it would carry on. But anyway, um, don't worry, guys. We're at the end game now. Do you offer free consultations? No. Oh, we've done that one. No, but £100 deposit for C and Treat, and then you get £100 back if you don't have it. But for breast augmentations and breast reductions and tummy tucks, no, they're not free. Having said that, actually, having said that, here we go. I thought something else I can say. We do offer what we call our satisfaction guarantee. It, because I realize that people often offer free consultations for this stuff, we don't. I said we used to be, don't anymore. But if you think we're not the right people, or I'm going to come to a question in a minute about size of implants. If you want a really big implant and we can't do it or whatever like that, or you think, you know what, that was a load of waste of money, a load of rubbish. I don't want you going and thinking, oh, that was a load of money, a load of money and a waste of money. So we will refund you the money your your consultation fee so we will refund it i know it's not the same as a free consultation but we will refund it if you think look i told you i wanted five you know 600 cc implants and i told you i wanted that and i'm like look it's not for me um if i can't help you or if you think it wasn't you know worthwhile then we will refund it so there is that sort of i know it's not quite a free one but it you know it's just trying to be acknowledged that a lot of people do free ones and i know that if you're going around seeing a lot of surgeons. I always say see a lot of surgeons and if you develop a rapport. So if you don't develop a rapport with me or, or Kurum or Azam or whatever, then you know we will give you the money back. So you're not out of pocket getting loads of consultations. So there is that, yeah. Do we treat pilar cyst? Yeah, pilar cyst is basically a sebaceous cyst in the head. So yes, absolutely, dootly we do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, absolutely. And last question here, if we are still uh, there what size implants do you got to this is a question someone asked me on instagram earlier on in the message um and uh what it does worry me a bit this, this question because it sort of assumes you want the biggest implant you can have which is fine you know it's not unusual for people to want the biggest implant they can have which is absolutely fine but what i say is i specialize on no i find it hard to make really big implants look good so I, I tend to stick with what they've got in the catalog. I don't go into the custom made implants. So I think 620 or something, I think it's the biggest, something like that. that, that would be really big for me. And that's quite a wide implant. So you'd have to have quite a big frame to carry that. So just to say I put the 620 is the biggest, doesn't mean you can have a 620 because it depends on the width of your frame. Now they do make custom implants. So they will make custom implants for people if they want very big implants, but I tend not to get into that realm. That's not really my thing. So if you want really big implants, there are people out there who are good at doing really big implants, and I'm not one of them. So I'm more of people who've lost volume, lost shape, um, you know, want to be, be in proportion, things like that. So some people I understand do want to be a bit out of proportion, do want quite wide implants and things like that, and, you know, for whatever reason. But I would say I'm probably not the guy. If you're asking a question like, what size do you up to? I'm thinking, oh, Karnke, I may not be the guy for you. I might, I might be refunding your consultation fee, put it like that, because I don't go like really, really, um, really, really big. It's not really my niche. Um, it's not Jade. I am 8DPO. 8DPO. Is that something out of Star Wars? She's 8DPO BA. And I'm so happy so far. Thank you so much. That's, yes, get it right every now and then. Awesome. 8DPOBA, um, that's good to hear, Jade. So yeah, I mean, I think it is important to go on the on on the um, proportions of the frame, and I and I work hard to try and make that right. So I don't really do mahusive implants; it's not really my bag. So um, yeah, sorry about the technical hitches. Sorry about the technical hitches. It sounds like the dog's eating my dinner. Um, uh, God willing, I will be here next week, Tuesday night. I hope to see you all today. Uh, then, ne thank you so much for your comments on 
I've got to be honest, YouTube has gone really well, really happy with YouTube. Facebook, obviously. Instagram, stalwart, solid. Um, sorry about the technical hitches earlier. I will be back 7 o'clock next Tuesday. If you've got any questions, message me. Smash the like button and subscribe. And I'll see you back there. Jade, happy. thank you for commenting. And James, thank you for commenting and saying that you're happy with everything. It's very nice to have that. And I do appreciate it very, very much. So, Jackie, beginning and end, top and tail. And I'll see you next week. And stop the stream on Facebook. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.